Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the side part with me, Coach Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur rum runner. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, such as mine. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. My friends, I want you to be part of the show as well. So find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Cameo, and on the Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor. I'm very, I'm not very hard to find. You can even Google my name. And catch up with all of my adventures, including past episodes of this show at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. Okay, my friends, let's get started with this week's Sad Report. And the first story this week is about me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and the Saturday report with Colt Sebastian Taylor on the AWSM radio. Just want to give you a quick announcement here that, like, listen, folks, listen, we're all busy. I absolutely want you here Saturdays at 11, Sundays at 11, listening to my show. But if you are living the high life on the weekends, traveling internationally, or waking up from a terrible hangover, you can now get... This show in podcast form at uh, Spotify or your major podcasting folks uh, through my friends at Anchor.fm. In fact, if you go to Anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor, you can figure out how to subscribe to the show. I usually put it up on Sunday or Monday and whatnot. So just want to let you know that you do not need to miss a weekly show of news. And you shouldn't. I'm just saying. You really shouldn't. Uh, anyways, moving along. Uh, my first news story is actually kind of uh, kind of going back and looking at something. Uh, about a week or two ago, there were major there was a major heat wave in the west coast of the United States of America. Places like Oregon, Washington, uh, Idaho were seeing temperatures above a hundred degrees. Some places a hundred and fifteen degrees. Uh, that's hot for Oregon. Holy moly, so hot. They, they generally, I mean, they see warm temperatures out there, but not that kind of warm temperatures. But this story actually goes over the border in Canada, where, again, you know, the temperatures just don't stop at the border. You know, it's not 115 degrees in Washington State and then a cool 70 in Vancouver. No. Uh, they're having record temperatures there as well. And I read a story, and I did this just blew my mind. Uh, that they had, uh, obviously, record temperatures there. They're dealing with a drought out there. They had a few forest fires. And these forest fires, like, inflamed a large part of a forest. It sent clouds so high in the air that these clouds became severe thunderstorms, wandered out from outside of these forest fires, had lightning strikes, that hit other parts of the forest, it started more forest fires, and then sort of repeated the process for two days, lighting all these fires based off of a previous fire, creating a severe thunderstorm. 
Uh, it's a, and actually there's a scientific name for it that is very long, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's called a pyrocumulus cloud. But pyro obviously meaning fire, but it's a cloud caused by the heat and fire, and then went up in the air, pulled some vapor whatnot, and became a severe thunderstorm. It was called a, like a dry thunderstorm, so there wasn't a whole lot of rain, but a lot of convection, a lot of lightning that caused these forest fires. So, I mean, that's just, you know, Lord of the Rings level craziness of a fire creating a storm that lights fires elsewhere via lightning. Uh, and then part of a, some of a sad note, this one town in Canada uh, set the all-time high for temperature in Canada. Then one of these forest fire severe thunderstorms set a fire outside of town and burned down 90% of the town two days later. So, crazy, crazy out there. Uh, fortunately, the heat wave, for the most part, has broken out there, although it still remains very, very warm out there on the West Coast with severe drought conditions. So, if you, my friends, are wanting to go out and camp in the great American West and have a campfire, don't have a campfire. You could cause a severe thunderstorm that burns down a Canadian town. So, is the hot dog worth that? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, be careful. Remember, as Smokey the Bear says, Only you can prevent forest fires. I'm not saying that's the best Smokey the Bear impression you've ever heard, but I would say the best within the last seven days. How often do you hear that impression? You don't. You don't. So, anyways, wanted to bring you that weird forest fire weather story to you this week. We now go from Canada to Tokyo, Japan, where the uh, Olympics, delayed after one year due to COVID-19, is, is scheduled to open this month, but with no spectators. So if you have bought a super expensive package to go to see the Olympics, chances are your travel agent may be calling you soon. Uh, due to a rapid increase in uh, infections uh, of COVID-19, specifically the Delta variant, which is supposedly much more contagious, uh, there is a state of emergency in Tokyo, where the Tokyo Olympics are being held, and they made the difficult decision, uh, and this is this is less less than a, less than a month away, like I think it opens July 23rd that um, there will be no spectators, no spectators uh, in the stands at any Olympic Games. Uh, originally, they're going to do it half capacity or 10,000 people and only people from Japan. No outside uh, visitors were being allowed to come into Japan to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, to uh, to see the games, but now due to rising infections, they are now stopping. No, no spectators in any sense is going to be a TV only event of the Olympics. Obviously, the first time in the history of the Olympics. Uh, I imagine it's going to look really weird. I mean, you, when you see these Olympic trials, when people are on TV trying to make the Olympic team. You don't see a whole lot of people in the stands. Uh, you're going to see even less. There's going to be no one in the stands. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they try to, like what they did with the football games, uh, they had sort of simulated uh, crowd noise in the background, or is this going to be super, super quiet? 
so, I mean, it's a shame, but um, I think it's better than canceling the games. If they, if they would have postponed it again, they would have canceled the games altogether. Uh, next year's the Winter Olympics because they trade off every two years. It's the summer, the winter, the summer, and the winter, so it's always four years apart. Or there's always two years between Olympic games, switching off between summer and Olympic, uh, summer and winter, which didn't didn't always used to be that way. They used to do the summer and the winter in the same years, and then I guess someone got the marketing idea of like, hey, we can make lots of money every two years if we just did that. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So there will be no fans in the Olympic stands in the 2020 08 08 I mean 21 Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, should be interesting. Should be interesting. Obviously, this is causing a lot of issues with uh, sponsors, and because not all Olympic events are advertised, or, I mean, are, are broadcasted, obviously, but lots of people generally go to them, and then local advertisers usually scoop up promotional opportunities at these smaller events. And um, but now, now there's going to be no one there to see them. And chances are they will not be broadcasted on TV. So a lot, a lot of disarray with that. I mean, the Olympic Games are still going to go on, but from a marketing and business perspective, kind of, kind of a whole, whole new ball game over there. So we shall see what happens. And uh, we don't. When the Olympics did do occur, I, Colt Sebastian Taylor, will provide you a medal count update in the two, one, two, or three weeks, which I'll be doing a show during the Olympics. So you can count on me for an update at least once a week about how the Olympics are going for, I think I will follow uh, United States, India, uh, let's see here, probably China, Russia, and then, um, well, Japan. Those five nations I will follow. I'll let you know how we're doing, how they're doing in the medal count. But you know who gets the gold medal in my book, my friends? In terms of DJing, it's my pal DC, multi-gold medal DJ winner event in the DJ Olympics. Very Not very well known, unfortunately. But he is our in-house DJ here at AWSM Radio. And he mixes it up every Friday at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. You do not want to miss out while he smashes it on the ones and twos, kicking the beats from his South Florida uh, track, track and field bunker every week here. He's just, uh, he is, when it comes to the athleticness of being such an amazing DJ, bar none, there's no one better than my pal, DC. So, catch him. Fridays at 9, Sundays at 10, DC live in effect, right here on AWSM Radio. Coming back from Japan, we go to Louisiana. Have you ever been to Louisiana? I don't believe I have. Well, there is a mall in Louisiana called Mall of Louisiana, which is the largest mall in the state. And on Monday, Kara went missing in the mall. It would cause a lot of people to worry. When anyone goes uh, missing in a the mall, they really try to find them whatnot. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. Let me let me go back. Kara's a 12-foot Burmese python. <laughs> So a 12-foot python, yellow python, went missing in a mall. Apparently there's a zoo there. Uh, and uh, on Monday around 2.30, they, they found, like, oh, Kara, uh, it's not where she's supposed to be. Interesting. 
And they couldn't find the snake. They couldn't find this large, large snake. And uh, they're like, oh, oh no. Where, where is this snake? Well, fortunately, I mean, I'm not a fan of snakes. As I mentioned from last week with the spinning cobra loose in North Kakalaki, um, that I am not, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of snakes. But this had a good, happy ending. Uh, it's been missing since Monday night. They found her Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Uh, they called in uh, some uh, snake experts from the Blue Zoo uh, to help them because obviously there's there's a small zoo inside the small. They have their own experts, but calling in some more specialized snake experts to find the snake. It was uh, found in a large crawl space uh, up there, and uh, they said, "Well, this is pretty much what snakes do." Uh, Kara got out of her enclosure. It was kind of scary, so she kind of just curled up and hunkered down and stored away to figure things out. Um, and uh, they found her, and they took her to the LSU School of Veterinary Medicine uh, just to get the snake checked out. Obviously, it kind of went through a shock. Did not spend a few nights in this sort of environmentally controlled enclosure. I want to make sure the snake was perfectly okay. And uh, basically, it took three people... Uh, to get this snake out. They cut a hole in the drywall and the snake handlers got in there and gently ha handed down this snake slowly to other people and had, had her wrapped up in a blanket. Whew, boy. <laughs> I mean, they were, on, they were up on a tall ladder and I don't know if I would want to be handed down a large python over my shoulder have it gently wrap around me as I hold hand it down to another person to wrap in a blanket. Uh, I don't even I don't even think I could be in a room watching that. When I go to the zoo, I don't even like being like glass glass being there. It just oh just no no think. I mean I prefer if I had to pick between a spitting cobra and a python, I was in the python, but if I had to pick no snakes, that would be a perfect option for me. But in a good news snake story, Carrie the Python successfully found in the largest ball in Louisiana, and she'll be going back home very soon. And speaking of said spinning cobra, just as an update on that story, that uh, cobra was found by Animal Control. Uh, however, the owner, 21-year-old Christopher Gifford, the Hyundai Tucson of dangerous snake owners is facing 40 charges, uh, 40 misdemeanor charges uh, for violating the state statute on regulating the ownership of venomous snakes. Uh, 36 accounts uh, are about an improper enclosure, three counts of mislabeled enclosures, and one count for failure to report the escape. So if I had to guess... Uh, Christopher here, the Hyundai Tucson of Dangerous Snake Owners, um, that he is unlikely to get this Venom Spinning Cobra back. And I'm going to have to guess, just going to have to guess, that um, he probably will not be allowed to own Dangerous Snakes again. And, uh, oh boy, there's, there's, there's a picture of someone taking a picture of this snake out of a window, just hanging out on the porch. Oh boy, that just that just looks that just that's just nightmare fuel right there. That is nightmare fuel. No, thank you. No way, no. 
So, don't worry, folks. You can now return to Raleigh, North Kakalaki. The spinning cobra has been captured. We now go to India, where uh, Dilip Kumar, which hopefully I'm saying correctly, a legendary actor in Bollywood, has passed away uh, this week at the age of 98, which is very, very impressive. Uh, he was popularly known as the Tragedy King of Bollywood, uh, had a career over five decades where he was did movies in romance, drama, comedy, others, and there has been an outpouring of grief uh, due to the uh, death of this uh, amazing actor. Uh, I Obviously, this may not surprise you, I don't watch a lot of Bollywood uh, shows. I probably should. It's really excellent, excellent genre of movies. I really, really need to really need to ex expand my palate. And very, very good, very good movies over there. Uh, but uh, he passed away, and um, celebrities, politicians, uh, all mourn the loss of this actor. Uh, the Prime Minister of uh, India, uh, Prime Minister Modi, uh, said on Twitter that he'd be remembered as a cinematic legend. He was blessed with unparalleled brilliance due to which audiences across generations were enthralled. His passing uh, away is a loss to our cultural world. Condolences to his friends, family, and innumerable admirers. Uh, various members of Congress expressed uh, sadness for his passing. The Defense Minister of India, which is, I mean, I... You, you generally don't see defense ministers of countries talking about an actor passing away. Uh, he said that he, the defense minister, uh, what's his, uh, said that uh, he was an outstanding actor, a true thespian, who was well regarded by everyone in his, ex, 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 his excellent contribution to the Indian film industry. So, you know... Many, many actors in Bollywood, many, very other cultural leaders in Bollywood uh, have expressed uh, sorrow and grievance for his passing away. A lot of posted old pictures of him, newer pictures of him. Uh, and uh, tell you what, uh, he was, a, he was a, he's a handsome feller. Then, handsome feller, as he got older, he aged very, very well. Holy moly. I mean, if I look as amazing as he does in his late, he did in his late 70s and 80s, you know, I've done, I've done well. I've done well. I probably won't, but uh, had a very long career, and uh, if you find yourself, ah, you know what, let me try something new. Let me try something new this weekend, or next weekend, or this week. I would recommend watching a movie of this legendary, legendary Bollywood actor, uh, unfortunately, the great, the great uh, Dilip Kumar, uh, passed away this week at the age of 98. Check out some of his movies. They're probably not hard to find on any of your streaming services. But uh, always sad when a great actor passes away. We now go from India to the Suez Canal. As you may remember in March, I covered it here on the show, a large container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal, the Ever Given. Um, it was uh, stuck there for six days, got freed, and then it was being held in the canal for three months uh, as uh, the bu bureaucracy of the Suez Canal uh, fussed and argued over uh, damages due to the nearly weak blockage of the Suez Canal. Uh, they wanted uh, a billion, about, about a billion dollars from the company that owns the ship because of the damage that was caused. Uh, but they came to an agreement 
And then this week, the ship was finally allowed to leave the canal and finally go to its port to offload uh, its containers. So basically, uh, it was uh, they 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 guessed that six point nine billion dollars of trade was held up for every day, and they're stuck there for six days. For every day, the ship blocked the Suez Canal. So about sixty billion dollars of trade was delayed. Uh, which is which is pretty crazy. Uh, the Suez Canal uh, said that they lost fifteen million dollars uh, a day in fees for every day the, it blocked the Suez Canal. Uh, they had initially demanded uh, two hundred seventy-two million dollars, uh, and then uh, for as a fine, and then another three million dollars to helping them get the ship un unstuck from the canal. And another $344 million for other damages. Uh, eventually, after three months of wrangling, they settled on a final claim about $550 million. About half of what they originally asked for. Which is, uh, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Um, they said the chairman of the Suez Canal, uh, the company that runs it, a gentleman by the name of Osama Rabi, said that they were going to use the money to buy a new tugboat that could uh, be big enough to pull a ship like that again if it ever gets stuck again. Uh, so the Ever Given is now, was was destined for Germany, uh, Rotterdam to be, to be, to be uh, specific. It has 20,000 containers worth a billion dollars worth of goods. Uh, these include shoes, laptops, Ikea furniture, sex toys, <laughs> bicycles, blankets, uh, all that have been stuck here for three months waiting to be delivered to people. Uh, once they get delivered, well, not delivered to people, the companies will then sell them to other people. Uh, now that this uh, ship will be unloaded, these containers can go back in circulation, apparently, that I wasn't, um, I wasn't aware of. Uh, apparently, there's a container shortage in the world. So now that the economies are opening up again, the people are sending stuff all over the world, there are not enough or not enough shipping containers to ship everything. So the reason why you might be delayed in getting stuff overseas where you're building stuff or just your items is that you know there's there's problems getting people to make enough stuff to meet demand because there's a lot of demand for a lot of things. There's problems getting these things shipped because there aren't enough containers to ship these things. So there are multiple bottlenecks in logistics around the world right now. And a ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal did not help things. Did not help things. But uh, uh, this will be likely the last story I ever talk about the Ever Given unless it gets, unless it gets stuck there again. Finally freed from the Suez Canal and, uh, and uh, the, the closing of this chapter of this weird one. You, you generally don't see Ships get stuck in the Suez Canal, but this ship has finally left with its goods to be delivered. And speaking of being delivered, I'll tell you who delivers something amazing day in and day out, Monday through Friday. It's my pal Rocks with the Rock Sessions. It is our drive time show, making sure to make your evening commute home fun, featuring the hottest, the hottest music on the charts. Not so hot that it causes forest fires. And, uh, and some other surprises in between. My pal, the beautiful Rocks, she will make it rock, rock style, Monday 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Do not miss it. Download the app, listen online, listen to The Rock Sessions right here on AWSM Radio. We now go to Botswana in Africa, where the third largest diamond in the world was discovered there. Uh, estimated to be 1,174 carats, which is big. That's a big diamond. Uh, worth probably over $40 million. Uh, and it has been the second massive diamond to be found in the country in the space of weeks. They've been finding a lot of diamonds in this new mine that they've been... Um, they've been working on uh it is larger uh, in june last month they found a 1,098 carat diamond in botswana uh which is believed to be you know the third the third largest at the time uh which is pretty pretty amazing uh they think they think based on the other diamonds they found around there that this was once a larger diamond uh but had broken up over time and whatnot and uh, pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, in 2019, they found a 1,758-carat diamond uh, at that mine as well. So this mine has been very valuable in producing diamonds. Now, the world's largest diamond was found in 1905. At the, it was called the Colon Diamond, found in South Africa. Uh, it was sub subsequently cut into smaller stones. They, they cut diamonds and polishing smaller stones and some are now some of those cuts of that diamond are now part of the royal family the british royal family crown jewels so they were in charge of south africa at the time and as you may know in colonialism they kind of scoop up all the good stuff and now that diamond was is part of the uh, royal crown royal crown jewels collection of the british royal family so Large diamond in Botswana. I mean, this thing is about the size of a fist. <laughs> uh, so it'll be worth a whole lot of money. Uh, fun fact, Botswana is the world leading producer of diamonds in the world. They find a lot of diamonds in Botswana and that part of Africa. But Botswana currently has produced, in the last, last few decades, the most diamonds. Which are not just used for rings. They use them for, you know, to cut other things. Diamond uh, diamonds are amongst the hardest things in the world, so they're used to cut, you know, harder things, cut other diamonds. Uh, diamond dust is used to polish things, so there's a lot of uses for diamonds other than just uh, fancy, fancy rings. Uh, also, uh, diamonds is what Mr. Freeze uses in Batman to power his cold suit. So, you know, both uses in the real world, both uses in the, in the comic world. So, um, hey, congratulations to the folks in Botswana. Hopefully that money they make selling that diamond will be used to, you know, improve improve the lives of the people who live there. We now go to Lake Buena Vista, Florida for a spelling bee contest, uh, an area that I am awful at. Holy moly, terrible. I am a terrible speller. I don't know why I'm allowed to write things online because, not good. So spelling bee is like a nightmare for me. But in the Scripps National Spelling Bee, uh, Zayla Avant-Garde won, and she is the she is the first African American winner of the bee, uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, she spelled the word uh, a word. Oh, I can't, 
uh, uh, let me try to say this, a murray, which is, is a genius of Asiatic and Australian trees. Uh, and she won. She won. She was the first. Uh, she was inspired by Magnolia Cox, who in 1936 was the first black finalist as Spelling Bee. Uh, but she she did it. She she won. Uh, confetti blew in the air. She jumped in the in the, the jumped around. Uh, there has been only one previous uh, black champion. It was also an international winner, and that was uh, Jody Ann Maxwell of Jamaica in 1998, um, which is which is uh, pretty amazing what she did. But she is not just good at spelling. No 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 no. Zala here. She has other, other amazing talents. She's a basketball prodigy and has three Guinness World Records for dribbling multiple basketballs simultaneously. And she hopes to play in the WNBA or even coach in the NBA. And she she considers spelling to be a side hobby of hers, even though she practices about seven hours a day. She only picked up spelling a few years ago because uh, her father. Uh, re realized that um, she has a she was very good at math, and her head that figured that that could translate well into spelling, spelling. So uh, she began training with uh, a private coach named Cole Schaefer Ray, who was the 2015 runner up of the the Scripps Spelling Bee, and uh, it is pretty pretty amazing. She she has not done spelling professionally. You know, some people do this professionally. For many years, she sort of picked it up and did a really amazing job at it. I'm just, wow. Wow. Um, so last year's, last year's Spelling Bee was um, uh, canceled because of COVID-19. And uh, was the first one in more than 25 months. And was modified to take COVID-19 into uh, consideration. Into consideration. And, um... Uh, so that they wouldn't be too exposed, why not? Uh, there was the in-person crowd. Usually, they have a bunch of spellers on stage, but this time they had virtual semi rounds, and only eleven people competed in person, uh, and only family was allowed to be there. And it was hosted inside the same complex which they did the NBA bubble for COVID nineteen uh, last year. And uh, Jill Biden also Jill Biden also spoke there. Now the format was was overhauled uh, because in 2019 there was an eight-way tie. They ran out of spelling words. <laughs> they ran out of spelling words, and so there's an eight-way tie because these kids are getting very very good in spelling, and so they they kind of fixed that by having a multi multiple choice vocabulary questions. Uh, sort of to quiz them about vocabulary, and that was a way to uh, to uh, let, let, let's just say not knock people out in the first round a whole lot quicker, so they could get through all the words. Uh, she takes home fifty thousand dollars in cash and uh, prizes, and um, yeah, so she 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 did a great job. Congratulations, my friend! Uh, you accomplished something that I would have to probably make some unsavory deal with a demon to actually win because there's no way I can even make a semi-semi-semi-semi-final of a spelling contest because I'm a terrible. So, congratulations. Hope to see you, my friend, coaching in the NBA one day. I really do. 
Speaking of sports, another thing which I am just not good at, sports and spelling, not this redhead's uh, wheelhouse. But if you enjoy sports, then my friends, you need to be listening to our new show here on AWSM Radio, Married to the Game. Every Wednesday at 9 p.m., Brian, Joe, and Mac Daddy will bring their insights, analytics, and expertise to the table on all games. And listen, friends, what kind of sports show would it be if there was a little trash talking be be between friends and whatnot? So tune in, catch up on all things sports for the week to Married to the Game every Friday at 9 p.m. here on AWSM Radio. And if you're on the Instagram, follow these four accounts, Married to the Game Radio, MTTG Radio, Bolstered underscore up underscore sports. That's Brian's Instagram. Nick can be found at the Mac Daddy Ryan Show, and then Joe at Turn Up Them Turn Up the Jets. All on Instagram. You can find this you can easy. Find them one night. But listen to this great show. I enjoy it. Married to the game every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on AWSM Radio. Moving to the world of entertainment for an update for a story I did back in April. The cause of death of DMX was released this week. As you know, he had a heart attack on April 2nd and then passed away on April 9th. Uh, the final results said he had a cocaine-induced heart attack, uh, which stopped the blood to his brain, resulting in uh, the death of the brain, and he slipped in a coma and never... Never really woke up again at all. So um, this was a uh, sort of a um, after after review whatnot. An autopsy was not done, but uh, they took various samples of blood and urine and analyzed them, and they found uh, cocaine uh, traces of cocaine in that. And so they're thinking that he unfortunately uh, didn't didn't overdose on cocaine. Uh, but the cocaine, as you know, just just speed up the heart, uh, caused a heart attack, and then uh, that resulted in him falling into a coma, and uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, passed away at the age of only fifty, only fifty, earlier this year. Uh, anyways, cause of death released and whatnot. Just a just a final update for a story I brought to you uh, back in April. We now go to space where a massive solar flare erupted from the sun this week. Uh, one of the more powerful ones to erupt uh, in recent memory. It was classified as an X1.5 class flare. Uh, X class is the most intense flares. And the number gives you an idea of how strong it is. So a X1 uh, is a strong flare. X2, twice as strong. Three three times as strong. So this was a 1.5. Uh, just denoted uh, this because it did uh, issue uh, an advisory because of it. So the solar flare, unlike that Nicolas Cage movie where everyone dies in the end, uh, solar flares cannot hurt people uh, on the ground. The radiation cannot pass through the atmosphere. However, uh, if it's powerful enough, it can impact GPS communications uh, it can really affect that sort of thing. Uh, so they put out these warnings because oh, GPS is, is very important for travel and navigation and whatnot, saying, you know, be mindful if something looks weird because there's a solar flare. Uh, actually, 
the strongest solar flare that was ever seen happened in the 1870s. And, um, and if it happened today, it would be devastating. It would be devastating. Uh, so this solar flare was so powerful that telegraph wires became charged with electricity that was through the air. So the telegraph operators would turn off their power, but they could still send telegraph signals through the lines because the solar flare was charging up these telegraph wires to the point where the telegraph signal was actually better than what they usually experienced. And some operators were shocked by the equipment. The electricity that was picked up by the solar flare shocked these telegraph operators. Uh, if that would happen today, we would have a lot of trouble. There'd be a lot of power outages. Your computer might be fried. Uh, you know, 18, 1870 didn't have smartphones, so, you know, or GPS or satellite. So the effect was the communications of that time, which were telegraphs. So, but uh, anyways, uh, this peaked last week. Uh, didn't obviously cause any damage because you're, you're listening to me right now. But uh, was a powerful one to the point where, you know, there's, a, there's actually a website called spaceweather.gov. Uh, let you know, you know, gives you warnings and watches and updates about space weather because that's a thing. Um, and um, uh, they issued a little bit of a uh, little bit of a heads up that ooh, watch out for this flare. Uh, that uh, this this came across my news desk. So watch out, space folks, for flares, solar flares. Finally, folks, have you ever skipped work? I'm sure you have told your boss you were sick, but have you ever been caught? I mean, if you stay home and you don't leave, probably not. If you go to a semifinal of an international soccer tournament and get shown on TV as England wins, yeah, the boss might, the boss might, the boss might notice there. Uh, unfortunately, that happened to a one uh, Nina Faruqi. In England, she won tickets to the England versus Denmark Euro 2020 semifinal. Uh, very short notice, she called in sick. Uh, she was shown on TV during halftime in which she got a text from her boss saying, Don't bother coming in tomorrow. Which I think is a shame. But they were short-staffed and uh, I guess rules are rules. Uh, she does say, however, if it were all to happen again, she do exactly the same thing, and good for her. So, friends, if you live in England and you need a freelance football or soccer photographer and content producer focusing on FA Women's Super League, go hire Nina. She is currently available, and she's a fantastic person. Tell tell them that tell her that Colt Sebastian Taylor recommended her. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Coach Sebastian Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Rizzle, on the Cameo, at Colt S. Taylor. Uh, so please hit me up there if you think there's something I should cover, or if Nina says thank you for helping get her a job, whatever. And of course, if you haven't already, bookmark ColtSebastianTaylor.com where I update all things Colt Sebastian Taylor, and you can catch past episodes of the show on there as well. So, until next time, my wonderful, fantastic friends around the world, I am, of course, your friend, your favorite redhead, Colt Sebastian Taylor. 
and I'll see you later. Have a good weekend.